Welcome. Thank you for listening to this wholesome word by David Entry. The words you catch will change your world. May your story change from this message. Be blessed. Colossians chapter 2 verse 1 to 4. For I would that ye knew what great conflict I have for you and for them at Laodicea. And for as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the acknowledgement of the mystery of God, and of the Father, and of Christ, in whom are hid all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing ways. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let's pray. Father, thank you that unto you shall the gathering of the people be. For he said, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. As we have gathered to hear your word, we pray that we shall hear from you. We pray that confirm your word with signs, wonders, and miracles accompanying. Everyone listening to your word, be it in this building or beyond, through any medium, we pray that let your power come through so strong to change lives, to glorify your name, to turn situations around, and to generate and grant testimonies that only you can do. All this to the praise and glory of your name. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. He said, To this end I strive, to this end I labor. In other words, the purpose of my preaching. And in Paul's preaching, we can find the purpose of preaching. So if Paul said, this is the purpose of my preaching, he's actually invariably saying that this should be the purpose, the chief aim of preaching. He said, to this end, Colossians chapter 1, I labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. The end of the preaching, the objective of Biblical teaching, biblical preaching is to present people perfect in Christ. And how does that happen? Then it flows into the next verse. It flows into the chapter 2, verse 1. I would that ye knew the great strivings, the great agonies of Maya, the great strivings I have for you those in Laodicea, that's the nearby city, and as many as have not seen my face in the flesh, so everywhere, where believers are, wherever, all the Christians, I am striving for all Christians that, as I explained, they are hot. So you see, this is what I'm working towards. He said, to this end I strive. Then he begins to tell us what he's actually striving for. The full objective of his striving is to present us matured. But really, the process he strives for to put, take us through the process so that once we go through the process, we end up, Colossians 1.28, whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom. Why? That we may present every man perfect in Christ. Say perfect in Christ. So he said, that's what we are preaching. Then verse 29 said, to this end, I labor. Right. So his laboring is to present you, me, perfect in Christ. How beautiful it is to be presented perfect in Christ. People say, you call yourself a Christian. Or sometimes you are wondering, I'm not a good Christian. He said, teaching, this thing is to make you what you are supposed to be in Christ. What, what, what you are supposed when you look at yourself in the mirror of his book, you don't see too much difference. You can see that just minor adjustments. When you start, a lot of adjustments. 
a lot of adjustments. That's one of the things I found out is when a person becomes a believer, you, when you are a new believer, you tend to have a lot of questions. Unless you are not actually thinking. But <laughs> the purpose of the mind is for thinking. Okay? Purpose of the mind is for thinking, not just believing. Not just, the heart is said, if you shall believe in your heart, not in your mind. Romans chapter 10, verse 10. With the heart, one believes. Okay, so the heart is an instrument of belief or for believing. But the mind is an instrument, it's an organ for thinking. And that thinking involves asking questions. So if you went, after you became born again, you have not asked any question about spirituality, about the purpose of life, about purpose of church. You, it, it does, nothing occurs to you, you are just there. It's an indication that you are not thinking. Because the Bible says that you will only be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So spirituality affects mindset. Spirituality involves thinking. That's why I find it so absurd, so preposterous for anyone to suppose that Christianity is just feelings and there's no thinking into it. That one who said it is acutely ignorant or is not thinking straight. Because Christianity is one religion, if I would call it religion, that really makes you think. Because it's full of facts. The Bible is full of facts. Can you imagine? The Bible has so many names. No, I don't mean like the Bible is called the Word of God. No, I mean, it contains so many names, references to places, references to people, both religious people and irreligious people, references to spirits, so many references and names, some of which are still valid places where you can see, archaeologically can be proven, scientifically cannot be denied, historically impeachable. The scripture is full of facts. That is why it seems like a chunk of scripture is narratives, not didactic. Scripture has two aspects, the narrative aspects and didactic aspects. The narrative aspect is the stories they are narrating. So Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, full of stories. And then Acts, full of stories. Acts is not something that will happen. Acts is not prophecy. Acts is history. They went, and when we went, you, it's just you are reading like, you are reading a story. Matthew, Mark is telling us what happened. And this morning we're reading Mark, Matthew chapter 14, how Jesus Christ was uh, on the storm coming. And it's not like it will happen. It has already happened. And so look at the Old Testament. Chunk of it is about stories of, that's why when you are a child, they take you to church. They tell you just the stories. Noah, Daniel, Abraham, Sarah, Rahab, Lord's wife, Lord, Joshua, David, Abimelech, Goliath, Samson, Jephthah, Jonah, huh? Joseph, Daniel, Lions, then, Methuselah, somebody said Methuselah. Samaria, Samson, Samuel. These are all these are all historic facts. So the Bible is full. The chunk of the Old Testament is full of stories telling about what happened and this happened and this happened. Why? Why is it that such huge portions of the scripture is telling us about what things that have happened? Because scripture is full of facts so that people can think. So there's no claims in scripture that are scientific or historic claims or geographical claims or archaeological claims of scripture that any 
everybody has been able to disprove. Because it's just full of facts. It's just full of facts. In fact, even Caesar, Caesar's name is in the Bible. What is Caesar's name doing in the Bible? Because the Bible is reporting facts. You can't ignore some stuff. So when, if it's full of facts, that means that people who come to facts must put on their thinking. That's why it says the God you don't know, you can't worship. So true worship also engages our thinking. Is someone, listen, that is why the health of a church has a, a lot to do with the sanctif- sanctified minds in the church. Because all of us, our minds are funny. <laughs> no, without God, your mind is dark. Oh, yeah. It doesn't matter how well you are educated. Look at how highly educated, what highly educated people can come up with. He said it's a research, but the research is so bogus, it's so bizarre. So, excuse me for long, it's so stupid. So, Bible says that in the futility of their thinking, the minds of unbelievers are blinded. Bible talks in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17, how the minds are futile. So, it is the, the darkness. In fact, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 12 to 16, it says that he went to Capernaum or Galilee area so that it to be fulfilled by what the prophet said, that those who sat in darkness, a great light has appeared. Jesus said, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. John chapter 9, verse 5, as long as I'm in the world, I'm the light. What does it mean to be the light? He's bringing the knowledge of God to bear because we are all sitting in darkness. We are all in darkness. That's why I said, the people who sit in darkness, great light has appeared. He is the light. John chapter 1, verse 9, he is the light that lighteneth every man that comes into the world. Hallelujah. So, so we are all in darkness. And then when you become born again, it becomes like a school process. The rest of your spiritual life is a journey of learning God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, he said, learn of me. 28 and 29, Matthew chapter 11, 29, he says that, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. The King James says, learn of me. He said, you, 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 we have to learn of him. We come, in fact, it says that, for you have not so learned Christ. So we learn Christ. We learn of Christ. We learn from Christ. Christianity, your journey, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 20. Your Christian journey is a learning journey. Our Christian journey is a maturing journey. Our Christian journey is a journey of discovery. Not discovering of natural things, but discovering of the God behind the scenes. Who has kept himself hid. Revealed himself, certain aspects of himself in creature, but then the true knowledge of him, he has hidden it and can only be discovered through systematic Learning your rest of your oh, this is thank you, Jesus. The rest of your entire Christian life is about learning. Is it just learning to know? No. The learning I'm talking about is not about learning to know, but it's learning to be. Okay, watch this. Not learning how to be a husband. But the more you are feeding on God, you are becoming like God. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. We all, with unveiled faces, you can't learn until your, the veil is taken off. That's what I'm saying. Anyone who is not in Christ has not started the journey. When you come to Christ, the veil, the Bible says in the, uh, verse 16, but when they turn to Christ, the veil is taken. So turning to the Lord, turning to Christ is what takes away the veil. Now, after the veil is taken away, Bible says, verse 18, we all, with unveiled faces, beholding us in the glass. See, the learning makes you become what you are learning. Do you understand what I'm saying? So what are you learning? We are learning God. I'm just using it in the 
simplest message, uh, language I can use. But we, as we are learning God, we are feeding God. As we are feeding God, we are assimilating God. As we are assimilating God, we are actually transforming to become the God we are discovering. We are becoming like him. That's why in heaven, the Bible says when he appears, we shall be like him. Because, so the rest of our lives is, as I taught, on jasperization. Per mineralization. God is infusing so much of himself into us that we gradually begin to, uh, like John the Baptist said, he must increase and I must decrease. So as you, uh, the, your, your Christian growth is about you decreasing and God increasing. How does God increase in you? Through discovering God in his word. Through learning of him and knowing God in his word. And I'm going to show you the easiest way to know God. <laughs> so, now, so Colossians says that I am striving that I'll present you perfect. So he said that we teach and preach, admonishing every man, so as to present every man perfect. That's our objective. So this teaching and preaching is to, we strive to present every man perfect. Then in the chapter 2, it talks about how I am striving so that these things will be in place. When those things are in place, it helps make what the main objective become a reality. What are the three things that must be in place? Colossians chapter 2, verse 2. Shall we all read here from the screen? Let's go. We need together in love and attaining to all the riches of the full assurance of understanding, to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ. Now, this, this is big. This. So, first of all, that their hearts might be encouraged. Number two, being knit together in love, which we have covered already. Number three, the New King James says, and attaining to. It's that you are, you know, when you go through your Let's say you want to learn driving. They take you to, through the lessons. The purpose is to attain to your, having your driver's license because now you know how to drive. So, and attaining to, you are, you are getting somewhere. Say, I'm getting somewhere. Say it again, please. You can't get there without, number one, being encouraged. You, we all need Comfort. We all need encouragement for this Christian journey. How many of you have discovered that a Christian journey sometimes can be quite rocky, discouraging? How many of you have ever felt this thing? Is it even worth it before? Yeah, yeah you, you feel it sometimes. Is it worth it? Is it worth it? Oh, you know, so that's why we need encouragement. We will, that our hearts, our hearts will be encouraged. Like I was saying, that we believe with the heart, and then we learn from the heart into the mind. The mind is transformed, okay? So our hearts will be encouraged, and we be knit together. When something is knit together, some things are knit together, when you affect one, the other one gets affected, right? Especially some fabric. Maybe one thread seems to be coming out, and you think you can just pull it out. You spoil the whole thing. You spoil the whole thing by pulling one out, the whole thing. Like, I hear it's called ladder tights, you know, ladies' tights. Sometimes one is coming out, you put the whole thing, becomes like a design. <laughs> so we are knit together. That's why if we are knit together, we have to cover one another, bear one another, forgive one another, uh, love one another, uh, all the one another, 58 one another's in the Bible, lie not one to another, you know, because we are knit together in love. When you are, that's why I can't just be quiet. When you are attacking, somebody's attacking another church, another pastor before unbelievers. No, you're attacking another pastor, you're attacking me. People in the office have gang up, and the only one who in your work says that he's a Christian, you know he's a Christian, goes to church, 
Maybe he's always late because, you know, Christians also have their own human, yes, their human weaknesses. You know, so sometimes that's why it's not good to say I marry somebody because he says they're Christian. Because you are going to live with them in weaknesses you are not ready for. You understand? Because some Christians actually eat more. <laughs> some Christians sleep more. Some Christians are lazy. You see, what you were before you became a Christian, you are likely to still is. <laughs> but, but just that you are being transformed. How? Not by your, just first of all, your behavior. Something has entered your spirit and it's beginning to affect your mind. Because once your mindset is changed, your behavior will also follow suit. You understand? So then the, what you naturally are, you are likely to continue to be in the absence of a certain type of teaching. So you are in church and still borrowing. Borrowing, uh, yeah, yeah, but can you, can you lend me five pounds? Can you lend me 10 pounds? And, and, and uh, I'm trying to do something. You're calling people who you know can trust you. And you are calling different people. So within a short time, people discover and notice that you like borrowing money. And unfortunately, you don't like paying. And people become tired of you very quickly. But you have always been like that before you came, became born again. It's not like being born again changed you to become negative. Being born again actually mitigated the severity of your, your borrowing tendencies. I get what I'm saying. So then, when we become born again, we are all learning Christ. And every one of us is a, is a work in progress every one of us, and we are growing in Christ, and as we feed on God's word, we are beginning to discover the treasures of wisdom. And as we are discovering wisdom, we are beginning to discover ourselves, and we are beginning to know what not to do, how to do things. When you lack the wisdom of God to help you become more like the, the image of Christ, the image of God, what God has meant us to be, a perfect man in Christ, you will be making more mistakes. The older you grow, the more the mistakes are increasing. Yeah. Because we never tend to learn because of the condition of our hearts. Yesterday I was telling somebody, when you are an opportunist in life, you miss a lot of opportunities in life. Yeah. When you are an opportunist, you think you are using people, but you miss a lot of opportunities. People see through you, and the best, they never give you the best, their best. They never give you their best. They only give you what's convenient because they also want to use you. Yeah. But people just open their heart and give you more when they realize that you, there's certain purity and genuineness about you. So when you're an opportunist, you never get good opportunities in life. But you never know. So you are growing. You've been like that. You are growing, but you don't realize that it doesn't take you anywhere. Many major doors that come to people doesn't come to them because they are looking for opportunities. So then what am I trying to say? When you are in Christ, the more you are growing, the more you are growing in Christ, the more you are shedding off the things that will not advantage you in life. They will not advantage you in life. Turn to the Lord. And let the Lord begin to impart himself, infuse himself. And as you are being transformed, you yourself, the Bible says that a city set on a hill cannot be hid. Matthew chapter 5, verse 40. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. As salt doesn't have to advertise itself. I see God advertising you. People went for interviews and they thought they were not qualified. They thought they were not qualified. But because God was favoring them, just God gave them. Is someone learning something at all? In the same way, when you are, let me say this, it's not, it's not common in our church, but let me say this. When you're a pastor in a church, and if, just in case you are listening to me, you are an assistant pastor in a church, please don't be stealing the heart of the people. 
it will not take you anywhere. Because it isn't the people who have brought the church where it is. It is grace on the house that brings the church where it is. So when you are busy trying to make friends with people with deep pockets, you, are, you will never get anything. It will get you anywhere. I've, I've discovered that and I've seen it happening many times. When you try to befriend people because of what they have, especially in the, in the field of ministry, you'll be so disappointed and many will leave you behind. Your life never gets any upgrade. So as we learn Christ, we begin to look like that. Now, it says that, back to Colossians, I've really, <laughs> is someone learning something at all? So Colossians, it says that, um, that this is very interesting where we are getting to. Let's read the text from New American, uh, let's go to New American Standard Version, and then we come to English Standard Version, verse two, Colossians chapter two, verse two. Now watch this, this is, C'est très important. Now, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in God. Having been knit together in God. And attaining to all. Now, look at the English Standard Version. Their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, too rich, you know. So it's, it's talking about these things must happen in other to get somewhere. Did you hear what I'm saying? Too rich. So there had to be knit together in love. It affords you to get to a certain level. So then if your heart is not encouraged, it's not likely you actually get to the other one is the, the, the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Because your heart is not encouraged. It takes an encouraged heart together. It takes knit, hearts knitted together in love. So, now, this is very important. You remember he says that, verse 29 of chapter 1, to this end I strive that we present, verse 28 says, present every man perfect. So this, to this end I'm striving. So the target is presenting you perfect. Now, the process of presenting you perfect is our hearts be, knit, uh, be encouraged. Number two, be knit together in love. All right, and number three. Now, number three doesn't happen if one and two hasn't happened. A lot of people, a lot of people are in a hurry to get to number three without the one and two. You want to know Christ more, but you are not walking in love towards other believers. You are not knitted in love with other believers. You want to grow in your knowledge of Christ but your heart is constantly discouraged. It, it will happen. You see, you see where I'm going? So now, for my, my heart to be encouraged, one, I need other people. Encourage one another in love. Sometimes you need people, you need focusedness on God's word. You need a few things, faith, you know, and it encourages you. But the second one is fellowship. Being knit together in love, that cannot be, can never happen, can never take place outside of fellowship. That is why I have a problem with this isolated Christian life. That mean, that's why I'm not part of any church. I just, some people have, have this wrong opinion. I just go to church, listen to my word, worship, and go back home. Oh, you are so religious. I go, I go to church to worship. I go to church to worship. So when you get home, you are not, you are not a worshiper. If your worship is only restricted to church, it puts a big question on your spirituality. Because worship is your entire life. Present your bodies as a, Romans chapter, chapter 12, present your bodies, your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable, give us an NIV, look at the NIV. When you do that, it's your acceptable, which is holy acceptable. This is your true and proper worship. So it's not when you come to church and show your power, that, that's worship. Oh, uh, the worst is when we say we are singing slow song. Slow song is worship. Worship is your life. You have dedicated your life to the cause of God, to pleasing God. And so coming together, one of the most significant, listen to me, someone listening online. One of the most significant reasons for this is fellowship. 
Fellowship. Somebody say fellowship. fellowship. Say it again. Fellowship. If you want to stop Christianity, stop them from meeting. Stop them from meeting. Ephesians chapter 3, last week we read it, verse 16, 17, 18. Look at that. It said that, that God will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in your inner mind. Verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you be rooted and grounded where? In love. Grounded where? In love. This is fellowship love. Both love for God and fellowship. Grounded in love. Look, may comprehend, may be able to comprehend by yourself. No, this comprehension comes with all the saints. We are all comprehending together. There's a certain understanding. There's a certain appreciation of the mysteries of God, of the depths of God, of the glories of God. That does not come in isolation. It can never happen. It's because it's a body. Christ is a body. And the body has different members. The members working together. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and verse 16. Look at how he puts it. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15 and 16. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into Christ, who is the head. Christ. Look at verse 16. From whom the whole body. What does that mean? body of Christ, okay? All of Christians. From whom the whole body join and do you see that word back? Knit. Knit together. Knit together. Koinonia. We are so connected. We are so interconnected. We cannot dissociate from one another. Knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effectual working by which every part does its share. Every part, once we come together in fellowship, every part is important. And every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It causes growth of the body for the edifying. There is this koinonia, there is this oneness, there is this growth that comes through fellowshipping. It's because the verse 13 says that so we all come to the unity of faith. It's not one person coming to deep revelations, but we all, say we all. all. So we all come to the unity of faith and watch this, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. We are all coming to the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man. She presents everybody perfect. So then teachings are supposed to be going on until we all. It's a certain teaching that is not just you are sitting somewhere and it's like you are listening to lectures. But it's teachings within fellowship. As we are teaching, as we are being taught, as we are being fed, we are also feeding others. We are also relating with others. We are also connecting with others. That's called the mystery. It's a mystery. How my connectivity to you allows me to grow in Christ. My connectivity to you, bro. My connectivity to you, sis. I just need that connection with you so I can grow. When Satan wants to attack your spiritual life, the first thing he will do is to isolate you from fellowship. Isolate you and you will heap, Bible says in um, Timothy, they heap teachers to themselves, teachers, because they have itching ears. You are heaping teachers. So for the time will come, but according to their own last, because they have itching ears, and they will heap up for themselves teachers. So, okay, they line them up online. This one, I like this one. This one, I like this one. This one, really, I like the way it preaches. It really inspires me. This one, I like it. They will heap up teachers based on their personal desires, but they are not growing because they are not in fellowship. They are not in fellowship. And some of us, when you even join this department, you want to be always the dominant one. <laughs> You are not a footballer, you are a boxer. <laughs> Even a boxer has a team that he's working with. You know, so we all, this Christian life, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to drive home a certain point that spiritual maturity, spiritual growth, perfectness in Christ never happened in an isolated life. You can never know Christ better by yourself. Because you are studying, you are reading. Please, that's not where it starts from. It starts from fellowshipping. 
In fact, watch this. It says that these things, the things, 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3, the things that we are, was in the beginning that we have heard, our hands have handled, our eyes have seen, that we, concerning the word of life, verse 2 quickly, concerning the word of life, uh, the was, we have seen it and all that, uh, uh, which is from the Father's manifest word. Look at verse 3. Now look at verse 3. It says that, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you. Why? That you also may have fellowship with us. Why? And truly, our fellowship is with the Father. So we are teaching you these things so that it can generate fellowship. We are teaching you this thing because the fellowship, you see, the Christian fellowship is the only crucible in which people can spiritually mature. So whatever took you, I'm talking to somebody today, it looks like I'm very, whatever took you away from church has taken you away from spiritual growth. Whatever, whether it's a pastor's behavior or you're upset with a pastor or upset with a, a congregation member, upset with something in church, it took you out of fellowship. Quickly find other Christian fellowship and where you genuinely are going to be committed to serving Christ. Uh, you know, I used to go to church, but now I just, I'm offended. When I hear people talking, it's, I've, I've been hurt. Church hurts. Church hurts. It's, it's, it's congregational pride. It's not church hurt. It's blindness towards God. That's why you are talking about church hurt. Who hasn't been hurt? Even pastors get more hurt. Pastors get more hurt. So anything that takes you out of church or active fellowship has taken you, has deprived you, has stripped you of an ability to mature spiritually. Let me tell you something. We live in a generation where people don't like discipleship. They like running from place to place. I, I, I hear a miracle worker, I see I'm going. I hear those things never guarantee any spiritual growth. I'm telling you, I've been in this thing for a long time. That's not people who roam from place to place chasing names or chasing style. They never, when the lockdown hit, it affected many churches that are built on style. I, I met people who said, no, no, I'm not going again because now I've realized that it really was not doing anything to me. It's not doing anything to me. But if we, the people I don't understand is people who even run from a prayer warriors to prayer warrior. You are not growing. You are just a needy Christian looking to use certain people for your own aim. You are not looking for Jesus. And if you are looking for Jesus, just oh, I need help. Jesus need help. You see, that philosophy or not philosophy, theology that has made us think that Jesus is there just to help us is what is hurting us. Just to help us because you need marriage, Jesus will fix it for you. You are sick, Jesus is the only healer. Yes, true, he is. But that's not the only reason why you should be coming to Jesus. When you are born again, when you are not born again, it's different. But when you are born again, you actually know that you owe him your life. In life, in death, you are confident and covered by the fact that he loves you and you are living for him. For me to live is Christ, to die is gain. Now you are talking as a Christian. Whether you get married or you never get married is not a condition because you live for Christ. Now you are talking as a Christian. Now, and see if God will not favor you. It's not everybody that has to pray for everything they need. Many people, some people don't pray for a lot of things they need because God sponsors them by himself. Because they are working for God. They are living for God. For me to live is Christ, to die. Is someone getting something at all? So your spiritual life, these things are quite strong, but it's good for our modern day church. I just love you. Your spiritual life, that excludes active fellowship. It's just religious life. It's not spiritual life. You are not spiritual. Listen, I can put you, I've been to Bible school, please, please. Bible school doesn't actually make you a mature Christian or a maturing Christian. What actually guarantees your maturity in Christianity is active fellowship and teachings. Now, going back to the text, now look at this. So he says that, um, Colossians chapter two, 2, verse 2, that their hearts might be comforted, being knit together in love, and unto all riches of the full assurance of understanding. This sounds a bit convoluted. Unto the English Standard Version, it says that, that their hearts might be encouraged, being knit together in love, 
to reach all the riches. Now, one thing. What kind of riches? Riches of full assurance. That's also another thing. A full assurance of understanding. That's an, I know you are getting confused. I'll explain it. Because I know it sounds a bit mathematical, but don't worry. It's not Pythagoras theory. I'll explain it. Now, it's better, this is how sometimes I study. I read it from backwards. So one, it says that understanding. But understanding comes with a certain assurance. So the assurance of understanding. Hello? You know, so it says that as we are teaching you, you will understand. And when you under, can you imagine the way I've taught you on how any other Jesus out of the, outside the Bible is not the Jesus the Bible is talking about? So that's understanding. So every knowledge comes with a certain level of assurance. When you go to the hospital and they do a scan, they say they are not sure. They, you, you have been feeling some things around your leg or something. They say we need to do a scan because it sounds very malicious or something bad. And they do a scan and they say, oh, it's nothing to worry. It's just, I think you, over, you slept on your, but you didn't realize. And so in three days it will be gone. And guess what? Now you go with an assurance that this thing is not um, some bad illness. You go with uh, Or if you are not feeling well in your body, they say we need to do a blasted blood test quickly. And you are anxious for the results because the way you've been feeling nausea, the way you've been feeling dizzy, the way you've been feeling, you don't know whether you are pregnant or you are not pregnant, and that's not the last thing you want. Understanding comes with a certain assurance. And then it says that that assurance has riches. The assurance has riches. You are quite rich in Christ when you get to that assurance that comes through understanding. So then you are not, you, it doesn't matter what is going on in your life. You are very confident. You are not down. It doesn't matter what is going on in your life. You know, like Job said, I know my Redeemer lives. I know my Redeemer. You know, he slays me, yet I will trust him. When everybody said there's a casting down, you can say there's a, oh, I feel like preaching. You see, when you have a certain level of assurance from understanding, it makes you rich. You are a spiritually not bankrupt person. So when people are crying, you can still smile. You can smile in the boat even when there's a storm. Why? Because you have the riches of the full assurance of understanding. Shout yes! To the riches of the full assurance that comes through understanding. That is why we can't marginalize teachings. Because teachings afford you understanding. Three ways the Bible has shown to get understanding. Number one, maybe I should just, let me stay on the first point, teaching. We just found out, teaching. In Colossians 1, 28, see what it says? Him, him we preach, one in every man, and do what? Teaching every man. So the teaching, Bible says Jesus saw them and he had compassion on them and he taught them. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. He taught them. When teachings, when you are taught, teachings help you to understand. How many of you, since you came to church today and, or you started listening to the message, you have understood some things? So teachings. Teachings are the fast track means through which understanding can be granted God's people. You get a certain knowledge and that knowledge affords you, I understand, I understand. When you are in the, uh, let's say you are into medicine, your early days in medical school, you might not understand a few things or even when you start practicing. But the more you practice, when people come to you with some problems, you know what it is. Because you, you have, but sometimes, that's why people go to their supervisors. They go to their bosses. They said, this is, I can't, or when you go to the till, or they, have, they have to override something, and they can't do it, they, one at the till, they have to get their supervisor to come, and then they show them next time it's like this, normally it's like this. Because the person has an understanding of how the thing works. So the more you are being taught, the more understanding grows. Understand that what thou readest, Acts chapter 8. Understanding what that reader, he said, how can I accept, did you see that? Philip said, he said, except someone should guide me, that's teaching. 
That's teaching. Number one, how do we increase in understanding through teaching? Number two, which a lot of people have not realized, especially unbelievers don't know this one. Number two, very important one. Number two, it comes through Colossians chapter one. Let's look at it. Colossians chapter one, verse nine. We have dealt with it already, but it says that, for this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. Pray for you for what? Our prayer topic, pray for you, do not cease to pray for you, and to ask that you might be filled with knowledge of his will, in all spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. It's a prayer topic. We are praying that, you see, you see, it is not those who say, I'm just, I'm buying different books and I'm reading. Please. Certain spiritual understanding doesn't come only through research. You can research and research and research and research and research research and still never be reset. <laughs> you, you are not going anywhere. Because this thing, Paul, an apostle, one of the greatest teachers in the church, that ever lived, was saying that I'm praying for you that you'll be granted understanding. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, it's verse 14, the same thing, but verse 16, quickly, verse 16 says that, I do not cease to give thanks and to make mention of you in my prayers. Okay. Pastor, tell us your prayer topic. Let's see what is prayer topic. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation, the knowledge of him. Oh, okay. The next verse, that ye, your eye, uh, oh, the eyes of your understanding, maybe. Okay. So there's a dimension of understanding that can only come through prayer. That's why I attempted to ask us to pray before I taught. That God help me. God help me. Pray for your souls. Those of us who are so Christian that you have souls. Can I say that again? Some of us are just churchy, not very Christian. Those of us who are so Christian that you have souls. People that you are helping to grow in the Lord. Normally they tend to have questions. But it's nice. As you grow, your questions become less and less and less. Those of us who are so Christian that we have souls, you, you, you don't just share message with them. Pray for them that they will get it. I have to, a pastor must pray for the congregation that you get it. My focus is not just going chew and absorb some revelation, deep, deep revelation. Come on, kuda, shada, come on, sutu, kalanda. Yeah! Then I'm coming to, no, I have to pray for you because not every teaching produces learning. Not every teaching results in understanding, which is possible. But Jesus said, as well, I went to sow seed. Only 25%, a fourth of those who the seed went to produce fruits. So that means that in a given environment, there are about 25% of 75% who are just watching. That's why sometimes a pastor may employ some jokes, something that people can relate with, so they can just make them relax. Now, let's come back to what I was talking about. The full understanding. So some understanding comes through preaching, through teaching. Others come through prayer. The same thing. Okay. So don't only teach people without praying for them. Don't only be listening to preaching without praying. You have to pray that God give me enlightenment, give me understanding. Okay, prayer brings understanding. And then the, the last thing that brings understanding is, we saw it, I said it earlier on, the chapter two, the second point. The second point is there embedded in verse two. It says that there has been encouraged, that's one. Number two, being knit together in love. This, when we are connected to one another, it helps us get to a level of understanding in spiritual things that nothing else can do. It's a mystery. But Pastor, how does it work? I, I don't know. That's how God has designed it. How can you be eating white rice and it enters you and then by the time you are finished with it, the color has changed? How does it change? Where does it change from? You drink pure water and it just changes. Where does it change from? That's, it's, it's your, everything happens on your inside. Unless you are, you are going to science to try and understand anything. But generally speaking, you step on an accelerator and the car is moving. Do you have to bring it out, see where connect, you are wasting your time? Just <laughs> enjoy it. Now, what am I trying to say? 
The Bible has made it very clear that certain spiritual advancement comes through fellowship, through fellowshipping. Because you are not in fellowshipping, you just are accumulating information and you don't have revelation. Many people have information, but not illumination, not revelation. But certain levels of revelation that brings good spiritual understanding, that brings an assurance which becomes your wealth in Christ and your spiritual wealth, it comes through fellowship. As we fellowship with one another, look at what I read last week, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your heart by faith, through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, watch this, the next verse, may be able to comprehend how Comprehend is understand, to grasp with all the saints. What is the, the width, the length, the depth, and the height? You need the saints to understand. That's what I'm trying to say. You need the saints. You need fellow believers to grow in your understanding. Tell someone, I need you. Tell another person, I need you too. For my own spiritual growth. It's not the heaping, watch this. It's not the heaping of teachers that make you grow. It's not the heaping of teachers. It's effective fellowshipping, prayer, and exposing yourself to sound teaching. That's what makes you grow. You can heap teachers, you have this, you have this one is my preacher, I listen to this one, I listen to this one, I listen to this one regularly. It does not guarantee spiritual growth. Where is your fellowship? And some of us, because of a certain attitude of heart, we can't even engage in active fellowship. Your threshold of offense is so low. Anything at all can easily offend you. Anything. You are in church. Someone is talking to your boyfriend. They are not serious. Just grow. <laughs> uh, we are all growing. Make room for people to grow. Don't encourage anything. Don't make provision for the flesh to fulfill its according to Romans. But when you see something about somebody, be the one who encourage the person. Be the one, Galatians 6, 1 says that restore such a person. Okay, so if you are spiritual, they restore people. Your level of spirituality is your ability to restore people. You are restoring people in, in the faith. Restore, that's an encourager. Encourage each other's heart. Comfort one another's heart. Those things are very important in your Christian work than how wild you can shout, how big offerings you can sow, how much you can save. All those things are part of it. But human beings are at the core of the body of Christ, not objects, human beings. And if we can help human beings be strong, then you're actually building the church. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. You're welcome to connect with David Entry on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also find more spirit-filled messages from Caris Church on YouTube and all relevant streaming platforms. Don't forget to subscribe, like, and share the message. Be blessed.